Hi, it's Mo Maduro. Welcome to the Life Expansion After 50 podcast. Today is the third and final part of the level setting series of episodes as we set the stage for introducing the seven fitness areas. So last time we got up to number 21, the beliefs begin to form in childhood. And some of them, we don't even know that we have them. So I do have an exercise that you can go through to understand where you, you picked up limiting belief. So one of the ways that you can change a belief is to understand how you got it. And the same way in a courtroom, they will try to discredit the witnesses. In this, this case, what you're doing is looking for references that are not valid. You may have gotten a belief from an uncle who was just joking around and, you know, he's just cutting up. He didn't realize that you were picking up a belief based on what he was saying or, or could have been an honor or whatever. I have an exercise that you can go through and you can see where this belief came from. Where's the first time that you actually had this belief? And then you get to make a conscious decision. Do you want to keep that belief? I've done this and all it, sometimes it instantly, instantly the belief just drops away. Not even a remnant of it because... It, the, the reference was so ridiculous. Other times it might take take a little bit of work. And I would argue, I, I certified in neurolinguistic programming back in the early 90s. And I would say that I think one of the challenges when NLP didn't work or didn't stick, I should say, is that there are other parts of the nervous system. See, at that time, we didn't have this view of the 100 billion neurons, at least not to my knowledge. If these neurons are acting like a mob, different mobs, different factions, you can see how even though you make this change, the other ones come in and get the firing and wiring going on again. But with some of the, and that's why some of the beliefs changes didn't stick. But when you could go in and look at the reference for that limited, the limiting belief, that could be enough to eradicate it right there. Cognitive biases have a strong hold on us. Confirmation bias is one that I think got me first really interested in studying cognitive biases, but also the book Influenced by Robert Cialdini. While I don't think he talks about it as in the context of cognitive biases, he calls it click word as in turning on a computer and then processing starts. But he uses, um, it used to be seven, but now it's six. And the seventh one that he dropped off is the because frame. But he shows how just by doing certain little things, it changes the dramatically changes the behavior, even to where it's irrational. So they do a lot of double-blind studies. But the one that's always been fascinating to me, or that got me started looking into cognitive biases, and it's, it's, to me it's part of the same conversation because it's like priming in a way, but it's the confirmation bias. And while it's not stated this way, there's an offshoot of it that says, if you hear from a source three things that are undeniably true, you're very likely to believe the fourth one without questioning it. And once that person fits into your belief system that they're reliable, it would take 11 iterations of counter-information to, to start disbelieving them. If you were around in the ni- 1990s, we were pushing on uh, customer service and customer experience, right? Extraordinary customer experience and all that. And one of the data points was that if a person read a negative review, it could take up to 11 times for them to doubt that negative review. Once they lock in on that negative review, it's set and it would take 11 times. I'm guessing that was together. But that confirmation bias and the three times undeniably true, the fourth time is very easy to believe. There have been newsletters that were based on that. So they would do predictions and send these different predictions to different groups. And whichever group got the right prediction, they would send them another set of predictions. And whichever group got the right predictions, then they would double down. And that's the group that they would make this 
huge offer to at a high dollar cost because they've, they've seen three predictions come out 100% right. They didn't know that it was a, this random sampling thing and they just kept doubling down on the ones that were correct. But it's also why conspiracy theories, you, you've seen some otherwise intelligent people get roped into some crazy conspiracy theories and you, it's still happening in the US. You wonder how do they even get there? But it's because they've decided to believe the source and they just can't question it. And also there's some other ones in there too, like consistency and the commitment, those biases come into play as well. But the confirmation bias, the point is cognitive biases have a very strong hold on us. Marketers and advertisers have used cognitive biases to their benefit. Be making a mistake if you didn't think artificial intelligence was going to do more of the same. So you're going to see more and more ads, more and more reminders of how bad everything is because that's the tenet of ad copy. You find some pain points and you stir it up and, and make it look scarier and that makes the person want to buy. So cognitive biases, do you agree, disagree, unsure? And you can do some searches. I'll go through some of the ones that I think are more detrimental to success in this context, life transformation above the line. One of them that comes to mind is it's in the willpower context, but it's called the planning fallacy. And we tend to overestimate what we're going to be able to do next week. Even in the face of this week not getting it done, we still overestimate what we're going to be able to accomplish next week to get back on track. And it's a real belief that and then they just discount all the obstacles it's like next week is not going to have any obstacles and it's called the planning fallacy so you want to learn to discount certain things and see these these cognitive biases for what they are so you're not falling into the trap kind of talked about it but priming is real and what happens before you are presented with a stimuli can impact your choice before you know it i know i've said this in one of the other episodes but they tested women and they had some asian women and on one test they would ask them what their gender was, and on another test, they would ask them what their ethnicity was, and then on another test, they didn't ask any question at all. And what they found out, because this is the stereotype that women are not as good in math as men, and that Asians are better in math than other ethnicities, those two, cognitive, those two uh, priming effects actually changed the results of the exam. So when they had to answer the gender question, they did poorer on the math, and when they had to answer the ethnicity question, they did better on the math than, than the others, the peers. It really fascinating. And I also probably shared the one because either two that get me is the, if somebody has a warm liquid, a cup of liquid in their hand, they are more compassionate when they hear stories or they're interacting with other people. And they have a cold glass in their hand, then they're less compassionate. It's like, it's not even connected. And it's peer, those are peer-reviewed studies, so other scientists were able to get the same results. You're not your behavior, but your behavior makes up your personality. I do think it's important to recognize we're not our behavior, but it's kind of funny that we say these things because on the one hand, on the one hand we say that 95% of everything we do is done by habit. We also say we're not our behavior because we're agreeing that our behavior is is habitual, but then we like fail to realize that our behavior is driving a lot of our interactions because it becomes our personality. But then the big one that I have a problem with is that we recognize that it's all unconscious, but because we call it an unconscious mind, we have these rules about what you can do. Now, what I mean by that is the advertisers are constantly bombarding, with us, bombarding us with advertisements, telling us how bad things are, how bad they're going to get if we don't get this XYZ thing to save, our, to save ourselves. But yet, when people in NLP were trying to work on conditioning, there was a big issue with it because the medical community was saying, you can't do that. But if you're not stopping, they're not stopping the advertisers from conditioning people. People are running around with all this anxiety. 
it makes it makes sense. They're constantly being told that they're not good enough, that they're not enough, and that there's scary things coming around every corner. Why wouldn't they have anxiety? And so it's useful for people to have skills to proactively condition themselves the other way. Number 25, if the brain can change and associations are always happening, we're being conditioned throughout our lives. If we're not taking charge of the conditioning, then we're leaving it to the environment. So that's sort of an offshoot of the one I just read. And again, we're asking ourselves, do we agree? Yes. Do we disagree or are we unsure? Depending on where you're coming out, I'm leaving the comment sections open on these. If you go to seven fitness series, that's with the digit, sevenfitnessseries.substack.com and find the podcast. This one's going to be number 17. Then you'll be able to make comments or questions and then I'll address those in a subsequent episode. Basic advertisement copy says highlight a pain and amplify it. I already covered that. So number 27, if you repeatedly hear something negative over and over and over, you're going to build up a strong neural pathway. So just what, like I said, myelin helps the neurons fire faster, stronger, with more precision and better timing. So does the negative. So if we're constantly being bombarded with negative, those negative feelings, those, that anxiety is ready to kick in at any moment. So triggers, anything can trigger it, and you're on here's edge. That's why sometimes when people get so raw, everything is, is bothersome to them. And so we've got to get a buffer between the conscious and the unconscious mind. So the myelin, unfortunately, it works both ways. Placebos work sometimes almost as well as the actual drug. And there's also a thing called a nocebo. And nocebos also work. A nocebo is essentially a pill that's going to make things worse. So in other words, you've heard of people succumbing to spells and it's, it's a nocebo. A placebo says you're going to get better if you take this. A nocebo says you're going to get worse if you take this. And they both work. And the common denominator is the person has to believe that it's really going to do that. That's how I think some, some of these supplements are being sold, right? If you believe it enough, the supplements, because doctors will tell you don't waste your money on the supplement, but yet the supplement companies are able to sell repeatedly because the people are getting results. But if you understand what we're talking about, creating the environment, epigenetics and all that gene expression, you can actually create those same changes for yourself. I didn't know why. I mean, I training through in the Rangers, you're really pushed beyond your limits and you actually become sort of a different person than you were before that. And a part of me always believed that was that my body had learned to adjust. So it wants to stay in the and homeostasis, right? It wants to maintain. And so no matter what's happening, because you're trained to fight behind enemy lines, adverse environments, it always adjusts. And that was what I came up with as to why supplements didn't work. They might work for a few days, but then, because I, I would test all this stuff and then it would fall off. I wouldn't see any results from it. Other people swore by them. For whatever reason, what I see now is maybe because I was testing it, I didn't actually believe it. So the belief was not there and that could be why it didn't work. And it's probably what the case was. If I was testing it, the jury was still out. I had not just 100 Percent bought, you know, hook, line, and sinker. So, and I did test. A, t I test everything. I was just, it's just my nature. Things like anxiety and fear can trigger both ways. So we know this that anxiety creates short breathing. Short breathing can create anxiety. Sadness creates a down physiology, but a downward physiology can also generate sadness. So the firing goes together and back and forth. And if you think about it from 11 million bits per second in terms of processing speed. That's every second, 11 million bits. That's a ton. You got 100 billion neurons firing and wiring. You can understand they're going both ways. There's no time to think about it. There's no time. That's why we say the subconscious is, is stupid, right? It's, it's just rolling out the associations. And so these triggers happen both ways, which is why, again, it's so important to have that buffer between the conscious and the unconscious if you're going to start working into self, 
self-actualization and, and life transformation. And then by definition, I did cover this one, breakthroughs are breaks from the past, conventional thinking, and therefore it makes sense that before a breakthrough you'll feel uneasy. I call it cognitive dissonance, and it's directly related to rising above the line, it's directly related to life transformation because these things are all scary. Above the line is all unfamiliar, unfamiliar, scary to the unconscious, but you're still going through anyway. I'll do an exercise where we actually can see how false evidence appearing real, fear, and just how false it can be, but how it can make your palms sweat. I mean, if anybody, I've done quite a few phobia cures, and anybody who has a phobia, you just mention the word and you'll see their palms sweat up and all that. That phobia cure helped me to see a lot of what I can now understand in the context of these, these things that I've been writing, uh, giving you here. But again, everything I gave you is, is backed up by research. I was giving you some books. The Priming One is Before You Know It by John Bard, B-A-R-G-H. It's a good one. But I'll start putting books in the, in the bibliography. By the way, I'm, I, trained, I certified as a neurochange method practitioner. I didn't go that route to be a practitioner. I wanted to be able to understand all that was going on. And this is a culmination of that. I, I now understand and I can speak to the woo gap, which is what we're going to be talking about next we're going to actually break down the woo-woo the gap. All right, we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.